good to have you here this morning, and uh, let's go ahead and take our Bibles and uh, turn to the book of Romans, if you would, here this morning. Uh, I'd like to take some time this morning and uh, consider here how the decisions we make, or the decisions you make, or the decisions any make can affect uh, someone else's life. And we're going to look at this thought here today, lessons from a disobedient missionary, lessons from a disobedient missionary. We looked at some last week at some lessons from Habakkuk, and I want to consider one of the minor prophets here uh, this morning as we consider some thoughts from the life of Jonah. Um, we'll begin, though, with Romans chapter 14 and verse number 7 and verse number 8. I hope these verses um, affect your life, not just today, just by reading them, but also have an effect on your life in a general sense. They always come to mind and bear mind in my life when it comes to making decisions and also how my life may affect other people. Romans chapter 14 and verse number 7, it says, For none of us liveth to himself, and no man dieth to himself. For whether we live, we live unto the Lord, or whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, or we die, we are the Lord's. The Bible says, None of us liveth to himself, and none dieth to himself. What we do does affect other people's life. And I've said it before, and I'm sure all kinds of people have said this before, no man's an island, and what we do has either a small or big impact on other people's lives. The Bible teaches this. Let's turn to Deuteronomy chapter 30. A mother's influence, a father's influence, a teacher's influence, a coach's influence, a peer's influence, your own influence, my own influence can affect other people. And so, again, when it comes to decisions that we make and things that we do, we should weigh carefully what we do and what we won't do based on how it not only affects us, but affects other people. In Deuteronomy chapter 30 and verse number 15, the Bible says, See, I have set before thee life and good and death and evil. And he encourages right after that, in verse 16, to love God. It says, in that I have commanded thee this day to love the Lord thy God, to walk in his ways, to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgment, that thou mayest live and multiply, and that the Lord thy God shall bless thee in the land whither thou goest to possess. And so here we see some commands given by God through Moses. It goes on and says some other things, but I want to just skip down to verse number 19 because, again, verse 16 and verse number 19 kind of tie together. It says, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you. I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both thou and thy seed may live. I want to consider some thoughts on how our life affects other people as we consider this morning some thoughts on a disobedient missionary. We'll look at him in just a moment, but let's go ahead and pray together as we consider this thought. Father, thank you again for your word here today. Thank you again for this time we can meet. Father, as we look at tonight, uh, sorry, not tonight, but today we look at that prophet Jonah. I know that we as a people in general are probably rather familiar with him, but as we do, I pray, Lord, you'd help us to see how his life and each person's life does affect other people. Again, bless this time as you meet again here today. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now let's go ahead and turn to Jonah chapter 1. I want to begin here by just looking a little bit at Jonah. Now, uh, the book of Jonah is found in the Minor Prophets, and you're going to have to go through a number of little books before you get there. But uh, Daniel, Hosea, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah. Daniel, Hosea, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah. We'll get you there towards the end of, the, of your Old Testament. Uh, as we consider Jonah here today, I want to consider him as a disobedient missionary. He was one of the first known Gentile missionaries. And uh, everybody who's a non-Jew, who is a missionary, should be able to learn some things from the life of Jonah. And uh, we as believers should learn things from the life of Jonah. Even unbelievers can learn from the life of Jonah. 
One of the key lessons we should learn from the life of Jonah is our life does affect other people. It can profoundly affect other people. And so we're going to look at some decisions in Jonah's life, but we'll read here to begin with a little bit about Jonah as he was called to the mission field. Jonah chapter 1, verse number 1, it says, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa. And he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof and went down from it to go from the from uh, them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord sent a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so the ship was like to be broken. Then the mariners were afraid and cried, Every man to his God. It's a little g. Cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea and lightened them. But Jonah had gone down into the sides of the ship, and he lay and was fast asleep. So the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God. If so, be God will think upon us that, he will, that we perish not. And they said, Every one to his fellow, Come and let us cast lots, that we may know for whose cause this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell upon Jonah. Then said they unto him, Tell us, we pray thee, from whose cause this evil is upon us? What is thy occupation? And whence comest thou? That, and what is thy country? And what people art thou? He said, I am a Hebrew. I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which hath made the sea and the dry land. When we Then were the men exceeding afraid and said unto him, Why hast thou done this? For the men knew that he had fled from the presence of of the Lord, because he had told them. Then said he unto them, What shall we do unto thee, that the sea may be calm unto us? For the sea wrought and was tempestuous. And he said unto them, Take me up and cast me into the sea, so that the sea be calm unto you. And I know that for my sake this tempest is upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to bring it to land, but they could not. For the sea rotten was tempest against them, wherefore they cried unto the Lord and said, We beseech thee, O Lord, we beseech thee, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not upon us innocent blood, for thou, O Lord, hast done as it has pleased thee. So they took Jonah and cast him into the forth in the sea, and the sea uh, ceased from raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice on the Lord and made vows. The Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. I want to consider some thoughts here about Jonah and uh, how the decisions he made affected other people's lives. I know we often think, you know, it's my life, what I do with my life, it's up to me, my life really in the sense maybe of all things maybe matters a lot or maybe it matters little, depending on your vantage point. But we see in this, this missionary that was sent that his life did impact other people and impact them per- profoundly. In our text, we find again, Jonah get out of the will of God and it affected other people. And let me say this, that's what, again, a caution in anybody's life is to get out of the will of God. It can affect other people. You know, we find clearly that Jonah was called as a missionary to go to a particular place and a particular locale. And uh, we find as he goes to this locale that he has no desire to go to this mission field. You know, people talk about, you know, you gotta, if you know you're really called to a mission field, you know what, you'll know. You'll know, you'll know, you know that you have a love for that city. You want to go to that city. Let me ask you a question. Did, did Jonah want to go to Nineveh? No, not at all. I mean, that would have been like on the list of places to go, would have been on the list at the very bottom. In fact, it wouldn't even been on the list. It wasn't on his list. 
It wasn't a place that he desired to go. He was called to Nineveh, the capital city of Assyria, and it was to a city that was a bitter enemy of Israel. He was to go there and try to reach them before it was too late. Jonah was called as a missionary to go to a particular place and he, again, as, as some do and as, as, as a, a, any missionary can do and, and any person can do, can just refuse to do the will of God. You know, someone says, well, Jonah, he was, I mean, Jonah, he was naughty. He was supposed to go to Nineveh and he didn't go. Well, let me ask you a question. How many times are you told by the word of God or by the commandments of God or whatever it might be to do something you say? No. Well, you ought to do this. No. Well, you should be doing this. No. Well, Christians should be doing this. No. You see the will of Jonah here. You see it in verse number three, but Jonah. But Jonah. You know, when it comes to, again, our lives and the fact we have on on other people's lives, we, we, we forget sometimes, but Jonah, but... Michael, but whoever it might be, we have a choice in the matter. One of the first missionaries, one of the first Jewish missionaries that went to the mission field, went to the heathen lost of a wicked city to try to to spare their lives. But you know what? When it comes to the missionaries, missionaries don't have to listen to the call. They can decide to do something else. Jonah was called to be a missionary to Nineveh. You know, I, I grew up and I, one of the red flags, so to speak, in my religious upbringing is what I was taught in confirmation class that Jonah the whale, that story here in the Bible, this account in the Bible didn't exist. It didn't exist in the sense of this is just a story. This never happened. There was no man swallowed by a whale and, and the man, again, was... Uh, again, uh, spewed out there three days later. That just, that just never could happen. I was taught that in my religion. That was one of the red flags in my religion when they said, you know, this story doesn't exist. This historical figure doesn't exist. This historical prophet or missionary doesn't exist. You know, we, we steal from the scriptures by saying that. But we also are being found to be liars because... Jonah was a historical prophet in person. Again, keep your marker here, but let's turn to Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12. You know, if we believe the words of the Lord Jesus, we're going to believe that there was indeed a prophet named Jonah. And Jonah was a missionary prophet. He was a missionary in the sense he was called to preach repentance to a city, to turn to the Lord, to turn from their sins there in the Old Testament. And uh, we read about here Jonah in the New Testament. In Matthew chapter 12, the words of the Lord Jesus here, starting in verse number 39. Matthew chapter 12, verse number 39. Verse number 38, the, the Pharisees wanted a sign of the Lord. And it says here in verse number 38, it says, And he answered and said, An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. And there shall be no sign be given to it but the sign of Jonas, the prophet Jonas. For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And the men of Nineveh shall rise up in judgment with that generation, shall condemn it because they repented not at the preaching of Jonas. And behold, a greater than Jonas is here. You know, Not only does the Bible and Jesus say here in the New Testament, Jonah was a historical figure, but it gives you actually the timeline of how long he spent in the whale's belly. Not only does it give the timeline of when, how long he was spent in the whale's belly, but also gives you how long the Son of Man would be in the heart of the earth, which deals with the resurrection. But as we look at Jonah, I want us to first of all consider how the missionaries disobedience affected his life and also the life of others. We pick up there back in Jonah chapter 1. Let's pick up in verse number 12. Someone says, well, how did Jonah's life affect others around him? 
When he decided to go out of the will of God, he got into a ship with a number, number of mariners and other sailors or whatever we would call them today. But he again got in this ship with some other sailors. He gets into the ship and he goes into the ship. He goes, takes a nap in the ship. Along comes a storm. They try to figure out who, who this storm came from. And it mentions there in this passage of scripture, it says in verse number seven, so they cast Lot and the Lot fell upon Jonah. And so this lot process, again, I don't understand it fully, but again, you see sometimes with decisions and all kinds of different things, both in the New and the Old Testament, people would cast lots and it would somehow give them an answer. I don't understand it. We don't need to understand it. But they believed it. They said, you know, it's you, Jonah. The reason we're in this storm is because of who? Not because of the, the sinners in the ship. Not because of the sailors in the ship, because of the saint in the ship, Jonah there. It says, it says there, so they cast lot and the lot fell upon Jonah. And so Jonah reveals who he is. He says in verse number nine, I'm a Hebrew. I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which made the sea and the dry land. And after that, they're scared. They're thinking, whoa. And it mentions there in verse number 10, for the men knew he had fled from the presence of the Lord for he had told them. He told them. That, it doesn't tell us when he told them, but sometimes it sounds like, if you read this, at least as far as I can understand this, I mean, sometime when he got on the ship, maybe before he went to sleep, he said, you know, I'm fleeing from the presence of the Lord. I'm fleeing from the presence of the Lord. The reason these guys were in trouble in this storm and, and that sort of thing was because of Jonah. In fact, Jonah said, this is the reason behind it. Verse 12, he says, and he said, take me up and cast me forth in the sea, so shall the sea be calm unto you. For I know that for my sake, this great tempest is upon you. I have that whole last phrase in the Bible there. I, take, I, I know that for my sake, this tempest is upon you. You know, things we do do affect other people. Storms can come into another person's life because we are doing something as a Bible believer that's wrong. Jonah's plan for his life did not include going to Nineveh, not least his plans. His plans were to warn people, but his plans were to warn his brethren after the flesh. But Jonah. So we look at those words, but Jonah. Again, put your name there, but Jonah. Anytime we disobey God, it's but whoever our name is. As a result, what happens here in this passage of Scripture is what happens when we disobey God and we don't follow what God would have us to do? The reality is we'll go down. We'll go down. What was God's will for him as a missionary? It was to serve the Lord in Nineveh. Verse number two, it says, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. You know, I don't know how many times you find this in the Bible here, but this is... I don't know, this might be the only time. Maybe, you know, Kevin studied this or Bill studied this or somebody studied this. But uh, their wickedness has come up. What cities do you find in the Bible where God talks about the wickedness of it coming up before him? The only time I can think of this kind of phrase, and I might be totally off on this, is back there in Genesis, where the wickedness of man was so great on the earth and that sort of thing uh, that, that God looked upon it. So the wickedness was great there. And you say, well, then certainly God was ready to destroy uh, Nineveh. His will was, hey, let's, let's get a fire and burn down Nineveh. No, it wasn't that. In this case, we see he saw that great wickedness and he says, cry against it. Speak out against it. But we find again this missionary by the name of Jonah decided to disobey God. And he said, I'm going to flee on the Tarshish. I'm going to go somewhere else. I'm going to do something else. And what we see in Jonas is what we sometimes see in our life where we just simply just disobey God. And someone says, what happens as we disobey God? Let me just say this. We see a downward spiral happen. In verse number three, it says, but Jonah, he fled. 
and he went down to Joppa. Now, down to Joppa might just be directional, but it mentions the word down there. But it also mentions the word down there later on in the verse. It mentions he, he pays the fare of the ship there at Tarshish, and he goes down into it. And he goes from the presence of the Lord. And verse number four says, The Lord sent out a great wind, and the tempest comes. And a ship was like to be broken. So this isn't just a, you know, a little rain and, and uh, whatever it might be. But this is, a, this is, a, is a, a horrendous storm taking place. In verse number five, then the mariners were afraid and cried out, Every man to his God, cast forth the wares out of the ship into the sea to lighten them. But Jonah had gone down into the sides of the ship and he lay and was fast asleep. Before we look at where he went down in uh, detail, I want us to notice there that people lost some of their livelihood because of Jonah. And hey, they had to throw stuff that they had. I mean, it might have been clothes, it might have been goods that they have. Uh, things that they thought not necessary to have. I mean, you have a storm going on. You're going to lighten the ship. You better lighten the ship or you're going to be destroyed. So they, they throw their stuff over sea. You say, why did that happen? Because of Jonah. And sometimes we'll lose things because of Jonah. So we'll lose possessions because of uh, someone disobeying the word of God. This missionary was disobeying the word of God and it hurt not only himself, but others around him. He went down to Joppa. He went down into the ship. He didn't, went down to the sides of the ship. He went down to sleep. He went down into the sea later on. Verse number 15. He was cast into the raging sea. He went down into the valley of the whale. In verse number 17, it says, Now the Lord prepared a, a great shw- uh, a fish to, to swab Jonah. And Jonah was, three, uh, it was in the valley three, in the fish three days and three nights. You know, the fish came to the surface and picked up Jonah and swallowed Jonah and swallowed Jonah alive. And the Bible says there in verse one, it says, then Jonah prayed unto the Lord God out of the fish's belly. Notice also, if you would, just a few verses forward in chapter six. He went down. I went down to the bottoms of the mountains, the earth, and her bars was about me forever. Yet hast thou brought me up my life from corruption, O Lord, my God. I have underlined in chapter 2, verse number 6, I went down. You know, disobedience will bring you down. Will cause you to go down. Will cause others to go down. Disobedience is always a downward spiral. Jonah's disobedience wouldn't elevate him. It brought him down. It brought him nearly to death. And Jonah's disobedience was a a direct result of God's chastening. You can see that all over in this passage. In verse number four, it says, The Lord sent a great wind. That's amazing. Again, as you think about someone says, What can happen in my life or what can happen in a missionary's life if they... Uh, disobey God. God can send something along. It doesn't have to be a wind. It can be something else. But God sent a great wind. Someone says, does God deal with you if you disobey God? Yes, God can send a calamity into your life. He can send uh, something in your life. It can be something that's meant to redirect you, isn't it? Absolutely. He sent a great wind. The Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse number 5, you don't need to turn there. It says, Thou shalt also consider in thy heart that as a man chasteneth his son, the Lord God chasteneth thee. We can expect chastening if we go in the wrong direction, if we disobey what we know to be right. Jonah had a father in heaven. He had God in heaven and said, Hey, Jonah, I need you. I want you. I have a special task for you. Go to Nineveh. But Jonah, as he decided on what he was going to do, said, no, I'm going to Tarshish. You know, we think about, again, someone says, well, what do people do sometimes in their life when it comes to disobedience? They always take the easy road. In general, you always look at, hey, everybody says, I'm looking for that open door. You know what an open door to most people is? It's an easy road. See, a locked door to most people wouldn't be a door that they'd say that was God's to go through. 
I mean, because you think like a door. I mean, a door needs to be open. And, and a door that's seemingly closed, and, and people talk about doors closed and doors open and that sort of thing. But I'm just saying, you know, the, the, the way that God would have you to go is in most cases, I think in the Bible, not the easy road, but the hard road. Moses, what did he do? He chose suffering rather than the treasures of Egypt. Jonah had one of the hardest tasks that any preacher could ever had would be to go to a bitter enemy of theirs and preach to them. Preach to them so that maybe God would spare them. I don't know who your or our bitterest enemy would be, and in a sense, but maybe it's a city somewhere that maybe we would test or whatever a person might test or maybe be like against someone being called to a place that had just destroyed the, uh, some of their things that they had going for them or whatever it would be. Uh, maybe it'd be like, uh, again, a person going, and I'm not saying this in a, in a real sense, but I'm just saying it'd be like someone like, like back in Nazi Germany, Someone's being sent as a preacher to go, a, a Jew being sent to maybe someone like that or some place like that, that they have no desire whatsoever to see spared. The most they'd want to see with that person, what they'd like to see with the, that situation is those people destroyed, exterminated. But he knew this. In verse number 12, it says, I know... That for my sake, this great tempest is upon you. Jonah's decision to disobey God can affect someone else. Our decisions to disobey or uh, do things that are wrong can disobey, can, can certainly hurt ourselves. remember talking to a man once about some bad decisions he had made, and they had to deal with financial decisions. And, you know, he told me after four years of making bad decisions, it took him four years to get back to even again. You know, four years of bad decisions financially might set you back four years. It might set you back 40 years, might set you back 100 years, whatever it might be. But again, I think about bad decisions. They, they set us back. They, they cause issues in our lives. No man liveth to himself, nor dieth to himself. The decisions that uh, Jonah was making would not only affect his life, but the lives of other people. I know for my sake this tempest is upon you. I know for my sake you've lost possession. I know for my sake you've, you're, you've had to call out to your gods and you can't get help from your false gods. They're not helping you. And, and so they come to him and say, maybe, maybe you can call upon your God and maybe your God can help us. Jonah's decision landed them in trouble, but also landed Jonah in, in trouble. But even in this place of trouble, God wasn't trying to destroy Jonah. God rarely is in the place. I'll just say this rarely. I don't even know in general if you look at a person's life in general, he'll never be in a place if you disobey God where God will come along and say, you know what, it's time to destroy so-and-so because they disobeyed me. If I disobey God, God's not going to come along and destroy me. He's going to send something along to try to put me back into his will. The storm was sent to chasten him. The storm was, uh, in a sense, to, to try to put him back where he needed to be, where he would be willing to do the will of God. And you see, again, this is really the grace of God being sent to Jonah. Verse 19, it says, Now the Lord had prepared a great fish. You know, back in verse 1, it said, the Lord sent out a great wind, and now he prepared a great fish. You know, God can do some amazing things to try to redirect us sometimes in life. He sent a great wind, and now he prepared a great fish. And he can do different things that really are meant to help us in life. And someone says, well, what did it help Jonah? It helped Jonah to get back in the will of God. Now, he had gone from, the Bible says, from the presence of the Lord, verse number three. And verse number four, it says, from the presence of the Lord. And verse number 10, it says, from the presence of the Lord. He was away from the Lord. And how would God bring Jonah back to where he needed to be? He brought along a great wind. He brought along great fish. And it led to a great decision in Jonah's life. A decision to pray. 
It says in verse number two, he went into the whale's belly, the fish's belly, he says, and, and Jonah prayed on the Lord God out of the fish's belly. And he said, I cried by reason of my affliction, and, I, and he heard me, and out of the belly of hell I cried, and thou heardest my voice. Thou hast cast me into the deep, into the midst of the seas, and the floods about me, and all the bills, and thy waves passed over me. Then I said, I'm cast out of sight. Yet I look at, toward thy holy temple, and the waters compassed me about, even, the, even to the soul, and the depth closed me round about, and the weeds were wrapped about my head, and I went down to the bottoms of, uh, of, of the mountains and the earth, and the bars. Yet thou brought me up from my life. Sorry, thou hast brought me up my life from corruption, O Lord my God. And when my soul fainted within me, I remember the Lord, and, and my prayer came into thy holy temple. You know, what we see here in the life of Jonah, what sometimes happens in our life is we make bad decisions, we decide to disobey God, and God sends along this thing and that thing, and it may be great, may be small, but it's certainly noticeable, and it happens in our life, and what happens in our life after that, we see a great decision in Jonah's life, and his, his decision in his life is a decision we all need to make when we make mistakes, when we sidestep God's will, when we decide as a missionary maybe to go to somewhere else rather than where God would have us to be. And it says there that God spoke to him. You see there, uh, again, in this passage of Scripture, in, in verse number uh, 1, it says, Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord out of the whale's belly, cried unto the Lord out of his affliction. Decides to pray. And certainly a good thing to do at that time in his life, to pray. In verse number 9, it says, But I sacrifice unto thee the voice of thanksgiving. I will pray thy vow. Uh, about salvation of the Lord, and the Lord spake out of the fish. Sorry, and the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon dry land. See, the first decision in Jonah's life was a bad decision. It was to disobey God and let him down. But we see God send a wind, and we send God send send a whale, and we see as a result of this, him get back into the will of God. And someone says, how does he get back into the will of God? It started with prayer. He knew he was wrong. He knew what was going on was wrong. He decided to do that which is wrong, and he ended up there having water, uh, weeds wrapped around its head, going through the turbulence of going down into this fish to the bottom of the the sea there, and again, I know it was a turbulent ride. It talks about that in those verses, verse number three and following. And again, I don't know what kind of ride it would be, but probably like a roller coaster type ride going through this fish, through the sea, through the water, and all these kind of things, and being tossed about in the whale's belly because you're not going to be fixed inside the whale's belly. It's not like you have this, this harness on like you might have an, on a roller coaster ride. You're going to be tossed about in that belly, and you're going to know, hey, What's going to happen? I don't know what's going to happen now. I know it went out of the will of God. I told these guys I left the presence of the Lord. For my sake, we're in the sea. And these guys have tossed me in the sea. And the sea was calm after that. But Jeremiah 33 says this, Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and I will show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. He was caught inside the great whale, or great fish as he's called here, and he was delivered by a great deliverance. Again, the decisions of Jonah, the decisions of this missionary, are decisions we make on a daily basis. Every day we decide either to disobey or obey God. We, every day we decide to pray or, or not pray. Every day we decide to give thanks, giving or we don't decide to give thanks, giving. Verse number nine it says, But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I'll pay that which I have vowed, salvation is of the Lord. I don't know what his vow was. But you know, a lot of missionaries will say, I'll vow to go anywhere you want me to go. Isn't that just normally? Like, I, I just, I, you know, missionary, I think it's uh, Sean uh, Elam. I'm trying to, what's his last name? Rosen, Sean, to Russia. Brother, help me out. Um, 
Anyways, uh, I can't think of his name right now, but his dad was a missionary to Russia. And I thought, he's, he's searching where he's going to go to Canada. But, you know, as I was talking to him on the phone, he was saying, hey, I'm willing to go anywhere in Canada. Anywhere in Canada. I mean, he's probably said he's been willing to go anywhere, but I, there's this missionary, he says, I will pay the vow that I have vowed. What vow had Jonah made? We don't know what his vow was. But again, if he was a missionary or a prophet, maybe his vow was along the lines, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'll be whatever you want me to be. He was finally ready to do the will of God. And you see, right after that, in verse number 10, the Bible says, the Lord spake on the fish and vomited Jonah upon the dry land. You know, we see again here him being serious about pray, prayer and also being serious about being repentant. I'll do what you'd have me to do. I'll vow what I, you'd want me to vow. What I have vowed, sorry. And we see Jonah's decision to obey. It's a great decision. He had made, it, made a great decision to pray, but he made a great decision now to obey. You know, missionaries will talk about being called to the field. How many have been sometimes called to the field and it wasn't the first time they were called? Jonah chapter 3, verse number 1 and 2, it says, and, and the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time. Again, I have that circle in my Bible, the second time. You know, someone says, God, you know, if he calls you or commands you to do something, not give another chance, there's always that uh, possibility at sometimes that maybe you're not get a second chance, but it says, it says of Jonah, he called unto Jonah second time, rise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. And Jonah rose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh is an exceeding great city of three days' journey. And Jonah began to enter in the city a day's journey. He cried and said, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So the people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them even to the least. The Lord came uh, unto the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne and laid his robe from him and covered him with sackcloth and ashes. It caused the people to proclaim and publish throughout Nineveh by decree of the king of the nobles, let neither man nor beast nor flock taste anything, let them not feed nor drink water. just want to stop there. That's an amazing event. No, he begins to preach there. And uh, certainly, again, he was serious about what he was preaching there. And his message was quite clear there. In verse number four, it says, Yet in 40 days, Nineveh shall be overthrown. You know, as people heard that, that they actually believed that. They didn't say, you know, oh, oh you know, it's like, it's like today. Uh, sadly, I'm, I shouldn't say it's like today, but it's like today. You say the Lord's coming, and you know what most people go? <laughs> Yeah, I've been saying that for years. Lord's coming. Who cares? Heard that from dad. I heard that from grandpa. I heard that from so-and-so. But here you see people take him seriously. So Jonah rose and went to Nineveh. And went to Nineveh. He was doing the will of God. And his message was empowered by God. And the people believed him. And they believed God. Verse number five, it says, For the people of Nineveh believed God. They didn't just believe Jonah, but they believed God. And they not only believed God, but they repented of the evil that they were involved with. We see that in verse number 8, it says, Let the man and the beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily unto the Lord, unto God. Yea, let them turn everyone from his evil way and from the violence that is in their hands who can tell if God will turn and repent and turn away his fierce anger that we perish not? God saw their works, that they had turned from their evil way. God repented the evil that he had said he would do unto them, and he did it not. You know, this is an amazing story in the Bible. It's a true story in the Bible of people repenting at the preaching of God. So Jonah rose. We see again, 
uh, Jonah used a second time. And God can use a person maybe that has rejected the will of God and said no to the will of God and decided to go far from the presence of God. And he made this wise and great choice. I will do what I'm supposed to do. I will pay my vow. I will be the prophet that God would have me to be. And he went into the city and it says it's three days journey, a great, great, great city, three days journey. And I don't know how wide that would be, but that's a big, big city. Imagine, I would guess that would mean it's, you know, walking distance three days from one end to the other. That's a huge city. You know, you could probably walk Valley City in a few minutes. <laughs> I mean, from one end of the city to the other end of the city. You could walk through probably like a Fargo moorhead in in a day. From one end of North Fargo to South Fargo, maybe a day, maybe less than a day. Depends on how fast you walk. If you're a slow walker, it might take you a longer day from one end of the city to the other end of the city or whatever it might be. But I think this, this city must have been huge. You know, he went from one end of the city to the other city and he'd been to cry against it. And it says he went in a day's journey. And so as he went in a day's journey, the people, after he went in, and after the king heard it, and the people heard it, they believed God. They turned everyone from his evil way with hope maybe that God might spare them. Jonah's preaching led to other people obeying and believing Noah, Nineveh's faith and Nineveh's fast and Nineveh's prayer and Nineveh's repentance led to the salvation of God, the mercy of God, the grace of God instead of the judgment of God. Judgment was to fall in 40 days. But it didn't happen. Verse 10 says, So God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way. God repented of the evil that he would have done unto them. He did it not. You know, if a person will believe the gospel, they'll be spared. If a person will turn away from the evil way, they'll be spared. If they'll cry out to God, they'll be spared. This is such a serious salvation experience. Again, we see some get saved and some don't get saved. But you say, who gets saved? The people that are truly serious about it. King removes this robe there in verse number six, puts it on the ground, puts sackcloth on himself, puts ashes on himself. He sits down, he makes a proclamation as to be published throughout Nineveh. And the decree is that no one's to drink water or food. Not only the people aren't to eat water or food, but the beasts, the animals, the cattle, whatever's there is not to have water or food. And let man and beast be covered with sackcloth. This is serious. And cry mightily unto God and let them turn everyone from his evil way and from the violence that's in their hands. If someone says, what will it take for a people to be saved by grace or a city to turn to God? Well, that's exactly, someone says, what's revival or what's salvation look like? It looks like exactly what you see here in Nineveh. A people turn from their sin and turn to God. A people turn to fasting and believe God. You think after this experience in the life of this preacher, he would be on cloud nine. He'd have, you know, the ability now to say, you know, I did the will of God. I paid my vows. I did what I was supposed to do. And all would be well with Jonah. But I just want to mention this. This is something else that sometimes comes into our life. Not only are times where we won't obey God. And there are times, great times, we'll pray to God. And there are times that we'll obey God and see God work through us and with us and through his word. But we also see, after all this happened, we see Jonah slip into a place of unthankfulness and anger. This almost seems strange, but you say, why does this happen? Because he didn't like what he had done. He didn't like what was happening. Jonah chapter 4, verse number 1 says, but, here's another but in there in, in the book of Jonah, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly. And he was very angry, and he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying? When I was yet in my country, 
Therefore I fled before unto Tarshish, for I knew that thou art gracious and a merciful and slow to anger and great in kindness and repented thee of the evil. Therefore now, O Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life from me, for it's better that I die than live. And said the Lord, doest thou well to be angry? You know, when he was back in his country, here's him talking about what he was thinking back in his country before he went to uh, Tarshish, before he went to Nineveh. He's thinking about the grace of God, the mercy of God, the, ang- the slow anger of God, the loving kindness of God. And as he was thinking those things back there, he was probably thinking, I don't want to go to Nineveh. I don't want to go to Nineveh. You say, why doesn't he want to go to Nineveh? Because he doesn't like the people there in Nineveh. They're enemies of his. And he was mad at the fact that God was now in a position where he would spare Nineveh. It displeased, but it displeased the Lord, uh, displeased, sorry, Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. You say, why is he displeased? Because they turned, they repented, they were spared. They were in a position where they would. Uh, uh, be, not see the, the judgment of God. Verse 4, it says, Then said the Lord, Doest thou well to be angry? So Joel went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city, and there made him a booth and sat under it in the shadow till it might see what he would, would become of the city. And the Lord prepared a gourd and made it come over Jonah that it might be a shadow over his head to deliver him from his grief. So Jonah was exceeding glad for the gourd. You know, I, I love the story of Jonah because God always is sending grace even to those that don't deserve it. You know, after he gets angry and upset, he tries to talk to him and he just asks him, do us well to be angry. And it doesn't say him giving an answer. <laughs> you know, sometimes you see God in the scripture speak to someone and they ask, he asks a question. You see right after that an answer and you don't see an answer here. Do you see an answer? I guess I'm missing it. If, if you see an answer, it says, then said the Lord, doest thou well to angry? You know, there's a place back in the Old Testament in the book of Genesis where that same kind of question is asked. Doest well to be angry? And there's an answer given. But there's not an answer given by Jonah here. Maybe he's smart enough maybe not to give an answer, but he just decides, you know, I'm not going to answer God. I'm just going to sit, sit down here, east of the city. I'm going to make me a booth. I'm going to watch and see what God's going to do to this city. And as he sits there, God sends grace to him. And again, you're, you're familiar with this, but God sends a gourd to him. And it says, and God prepared a gourd. Just like you go back to there in the beginning of uh, the book in verse number one, I mean, sorry, uh, chapter one, verse number 17, it says, now the Lord had prepared a great fish, he prepared a gourd. He prepared, he prepared what I call a great gourd. You say, why do I call it a great gourd? Because it's a gift of grace. To, to, to Jonah. You know, he's, he, he's back out of the will of God again, isn't he? It's not like he's in a position where he's decided to go to a different place, but he's just in, he's in a place where he's just wondering, hey, what's God going to do to this city? He knows what God's going to do to this city. He doesn't like what God's going to do to this city. And so he goes there, he's going to sit down, in a sense, sulk and pulp, because you know, God was going to spare the Ninevites. God was going to send grace and mercy and kindness and and all that to Nineveh, but he didn't like it. And so God, in his grace, sends him a gourd. And that gourd made him glad. I'm glad for that, because he was not in a good spirit. The Lord prepared a, a gourd for him to deliver him from his grief. In verse number six, to deliver him from his grief. Not only was he sad about the situation, but he was mad. He was mad and sad. But God came along and made him glad through a gourd. That gourd was a blessing to him. And he should have looked up at the gourd and said, that just didn't happen by perchance or happenstance or anything like that. It says the Lord prepared a gourd and came up to Jonah uh, to deliver him from the grief. So Jonah was exceeding glad the gourd. And so this gourd, he prepared, delivered him from the grief. You know, God gave his son to deliver us from death. 
And God knows what we need to fulfill every need. And what this grumpy, grouchy missionary needed was a gourd to bless him. And sometimes in life, even when we're not doing the will of God, someone says, God will never bless you if you're out of the will of God. What's this? What is this? He wasn't in good straits with God. What, what's happening here? God prepared him a gourd. He blessed him when he was in a state of disobedience. He wasn't thinking right and all that kind of thing. You say, why would God do that? He's like a heavenly father. He'll bless the just and the unjust. He'll do what's good for uh, people in general. Said God knows what we need. He fulfills every need. He gives what we need. And so God sent this gourd. He said, God sent this gourd. Why do you send this gourd? So that maybe Jonah would see grace in the gourd. See, he should have seen that. There was grace in that gourd. You say grace in that gourd, grace of salvation? No, the grace of comfort. The grace of gladness. The grace of the goodness of God. And someone says, well, well he didn't see that in the gourd. But he was glad of them. Then it says here in verse number 7, but God prepared a worm. Uh-oh. Someone says, a worm? What's, what's the worm going to do? And verse number says, so when the morning rose the next day, it smote the gourd that it withered, and it came to pass when the sun did rise. God prepared a vehement and east wind, and the sun beat on the head of Jonah, and he fainted and wished for himself to die. And he said, it's better for me to lie, die than to live. And God said unto Jonah, doest thou well to be angry for the gourd? Now this time he answers, he said, I do well to be angry even unto death. You know, we think about our lives and, and Christian lives and this missionary's life. You know, he was in a place of disobedience and God sent him grace. He prayed to God and God sent him grace. He got to a place in his life and he obeyed God and God gave grace. He gave grace to a multitude of people in Nineveh. And he got out of the will of God again and he started to get grumpy and grouchy and he was sad and he was mad and God sent him a gourd to comfort him. But also we see God sent a worm also to also teach a lesson to him. And he also sent a wind to discomfort Jonah. So God sent a worm and God sent a wind. And someone says, what happened here with Jonah? God, God sent some adversity and affliction in Jonah's life to try to teach him a lesson. And someone says, well, I don't understand it. You know, God just gave me grace. Yeah, God just gave you grace. He gave me a gourd, but then God sent something into my life, a worm and a wind, and it's not good. And so we see this worm and this wind, they destroy the gourd. The worm destroys the gourd. The wind, again, afflicts Jonah. In verse number 9, it says, And God said to Jonah, Doest thou well to be angry? Uh, for the gourd, and he said, I do well to be angry even unto death. And then said the Lord, Thou hast had pity on the gourd. But while thou hast not labored, nor made it to grow, which came up in the night and perished in the night, so not I spared Nineveh, that great city, where there are more than six score thousand persons that cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand, and also much cattle. We don't know the size and scope of the city, but it mentions there 120,000, six score thousand, six times 20,000. People that cannot discern the right hand from the left hand and also much cattle. So someone says, how big was the city? Well, it had 120,000 kids in it. They couldn't discern this is the right hand and this is the left hand. So you say, how big was that city? I don't know how big that city, but that city must have been a humongous city with 120,000 children, probably under the age of six, seven, whatever it might be. I don't know. When, do you, when did you figure out which is your right hand, your left hand? Do you have to write on? I don't know. It's like the directions, uh, north, south, east, and west. I could never get those down. I could get north and south down, but east and west, I always got those mixed around. It's just weird, but when I was growing up, I couldn't figure those things out. But I think about these, these kids. These are just little kids. There's 120,000 kids in that city. And there's all these children in this city. And all these children 
All his cattle went without food and water there for a time. It mentions there in verse number 7 and 8. Back in chapter 3, sorry. And, uh, and, and, he, and he has a question for Jonah. Should not I spare Nineveh? For the children's sake, for the cattle's sake. The children don't know any better. And the cattle certainly haven't done anything wrong. Yes, the people of that city have been violent, but they've repented. The people have been wicked, but they've repented. But should I not spare Nineveh? You know, you see, you hear Jonah answer why he's angry. And we find out here in the Bible he's angry because of the compassion of the Lord, the goodness of the Lord, the grace of the Lord. He had compassion. The Bible says there back in, in verse number 10, you know, in verse number 9, Jonah had compassion in the gourd. He loved that gourd. He said, you know, gourd's, in a sense, my friend. He's my help. He's my comforter. You know, God gives gourds to comfort, but God can take away gourds. And God can send a worm again to destroy a gourd, and we should say, well, thank God for the gourd. I had the gourd. For a time, I had the gourd. The wind, again, was sent to discomfort Jonah, and we say, why was it sent to discomfort Jonah? Because he needed a little bit more discomforting because he's not figuring out that God is a God of grace and goodness and loving kindness and compassion and concern. God's compassion, the Bible, you can see there clearly extends to children. God's compassion extends to cattle. He mentions both the children and the cattle. It just doesn't mention the children, but he mentions the cattle. Why should he destroy this city? God cares for the sinners of Nineveh. God cares for the cattle in Nineveh. And God cares for you. And God cares for me. Let's turn to Psalm 145. Someone says, well, I don't get this. This, this prophet shouldn't have got grace so much. You know, when we understand God, you know, sometimes we get, uh, I guess I would say, kind of sideways on our, our, our thoughts about God. Well, God surely should judge here. Well, maybe that's where you're thinking like Jonah. Well, God should give compassion here. Well, that's when you're thinking about God. Of the book of Jonah. Psalm 145 and uh, verse number 9, the Bible says, The Lord is good to all, and his tender mercies over all his works. It's a great verse in the Bible. I have an underlined. I have a lot of verses underlined in the Bible, but the Bible says, The Lord is good to all. Never say God is not good to you. Has been God been good to you? God has always been good to me. God is always good to all. All is all, just like the gospel. It's to all. It's to whosoever will. The Bible says, The Lord is good to all, and his tender mercies over all his works. Nineveh was not to be excluded. Los Angeles is not to be excluded. Minneapolis is not to be excluded. Valley City is not to be excluded from the goodness and grace of God. He was good to these sailors. He was good to Nineveh. He was good to the city. He was good to the children. He was good to the cattle. Let's turn to Psalm 103. If God wasn't a merciful God, you would be destroyed. If God wasn't a merciful God, I would be destroyed. I don't deserve life. I actually deserve death. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. God is good. Psalm 103, verse number 4, the Bible says, Who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies. You know, Jonah could pity a plant, but he had troubles pitying a people because he didn't understand the Lord is good to all. I think he understood it, but he didn't want that to be what would happen. Again, lessons from a missionary prophet. Let's turn back to Romans chapter 14. The decisions Jonah made affected his life, both in the ship and in that city. It affected others' lives. His, his desire to disobey God uh, caused, again, havoc to him uh, to begin with, but also led to grace that followed. 
Again, a decision to pray affected his life. He was cast out of that whale's belly when he decided, I'm going to do what I said I was going to do. He paid his vow. He decided to obey God, and that city was spared. And we see there, he, he was in a place of anger, and God tried to bring him to a place of, of uh, being in a place of grace, in a place of goodness, in a place of understanding about the goodness and grace of God. Romans chapter 14, verse number 7 to verse number 8, it says, For none of us liveth to himself, and no man dieth to himself. For whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. Uh, uh, Lord's, whether therefore we live or therefore we die, we are the Lord's. I didn't read verse 8 right, but you get what I'm saying there. Um, lessons from a missionary. You know, God gives us grace. Keep that in mind. My, uh, God will give you grace. God gives grace when we don't expect grace or we deserve grace or mercy. You know, God there showed his loving kindness upon Jonah. He showed his loving kindness upon this city. He used a whale. He used winds. He used a worm to help Jonah get back into the will of God. Are you and I fleeing from the presence of the Lord? Are you in a place where you're in a position where you're willing to do the will of the Lord? 